The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. On today's episode of the Marketing Mad Men, we interview Ron Eister of Word of Mouth Restaurants. If you enjoy this episode, you got to check out the cocktail party at Arnett's coming up on Saturday, October 28th. Think lobster rolls and Georgia, Florida. Can't beat that. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Joe. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here live from the Battery. And man, I am uh, excited. I'm already kind of like mouth-watering uh, our discussion today. Going to talk about restaurants and uh, restaurant marketing and you know, I think you had me on my vision quest and trust hey, me. Hey, you're me, back. You made I, it back. I am back and I was doing some restaurant touring around uh, the U.S. So this is going to be fantastic. Was that actually restaurant touring or are you in a cave somewhere and just imagining yourselves in, in restaurants well, around the U.S.? Winery, a little bit of both? Wineries and breweries <laughs> and enough. restaurants and a little bit of everything with the uh, the West, Fair the enough. American I, West. I thought you were your mouth was watering because we are in the battery and yeah. the Bravos are about to come out and play some baseball and win some playoff games. So well, uh, we are recording on the Wednesday before the Saturday of the beginning of the NLDS. So uh, good luck, Braves. I'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation at another time. But let's go restaurants, man. I think that uh, it's an industry I love. It's a a, a topic I love. Um, And we have Mr. Ron Eister here, uh, Director of Operations from Word of Mouth Restaurants, uh, to actually know what he's talking about and not just do gibberish like Tripp and I usually do. So, Ron, how you doing, bud? (laughs) I am great. I'm really uh, happy to be here. Always love talking restaurants. That's Uh, awesome. Ready to get into it today with y'all. Good. So, you know, let's start at the beginning um, and give some experience, give some of your background and your experiences. Let's go across the board. Um, We'll end with our nets and that'll kind of be the segment into uh, word of mouth that'll be the second segment but just just talk about all the experience you've had because uh you've had a whirlwind in a lot of it i have i it's you know it's i'm a i'm a big deadhead so it's, it's been a long strange trip i grew up on long island like we were just chatting about before we started recording and Shout um, out to strong island absolutely and um you know funny part getting into the industry itself uh Grew up in a blue-collar family. Dad actually had a plumbing business. I used to love going to work with him. My parents were really invested in my brother and I's education. Uh, one day at dinner, I told my parents I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to like join my dad in his operation. And from that moment on, my mom wouldn't let me go to work with my dad. So, um, <laughs> Which is ironic yeah. because of how demand plumbers are and plumbing businesses yeah, are now. So. Like The trades are where everyone should be. So isn't it funny that that, that, that conversation happened yeah. in every house in Long Island? Because yeah. people don't understand. Right now, it's a wealthy place. There's right. no much more blue collar place on earth than Long Island. Yeah, absolutely. It is such, especially as you start going out east, it is such a blue collar place. Family businesses, yep. all about their local communities. It's crazy, but go on. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, wanting to still instill within me a strong work ethic, they allowed me to get a job. Ended up working at a place on Long Island as a busboy called the Watermill Inn, and that was like my introduction to the odyssey that would become a restaurant career. And you know, walking into this huge restaurant, it was a big like banquet facility. Yep. You know, the kitchen was probably twice the size of the house I lived in. Um, And just kind of feeling that energy, it was absolutely captivating and compelling. Completely 
stung me, so to speak, and left this impression on me that lasted, no doubt. Yeah. You know, so I worked like different summer jobs in restaurants. Yeah. Ended up going down to Charleston to go to college at the Citadel. Um, actually oh, really? had a, yeah, actually had a direction where I was thinking I would go into the military. Okay. Um, life at the Citadel changed my opinion on that pretty quickly. It was oh, pretty I, rough. I had friends. Yeah, yeah. But, I was uh, there before high school classmates that went there. Yeah, I, I was there before it was co-ed. You know, it, it, definitely some craziness. Yeah, you know, you may know some friends of mine. If, leave uh, it at that. Yeah, we'll talk later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, definitely not the usual college yeah, experience. Yeah, we exactly. can leave it at that. But I think the best part of landing in Charleston was being exposed to Low Country cooking. Yeah. And oh. you know, again, growing up in New York, my parents always took us out to eat. They exposed us to good food. I remember going to to uh, the Russian Tea Room, yeah. um, Tavern on the Green. Yes. But living at home, my mom is not the cook. You yeah, know, like my right. brother and I grew up on like this institutional menu. Like we ate the same things every yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Only thing we really looked forward to was pizza from Frank's on Friday. Yeah. You know, but then I end up in Charleston and all of a sudden my eyes are opening up to, you know, this type of food. I got a couple of jobs like on weekends, which we really weren't supposed to do. Right. But, you know, that passion for food was developing. Did um, you uh, learn to understand Gullah? I actually did parts of it because we actually would have a lot of dishwashers in our restaurants that, you know, that's the part of Charleston in which they live. For those who don't know, that's a very small, um, I guess, ethnicity language that comes from both, uh, you know, West Africa yep. combination with the um, American Indians and everything that kind of set in French. There's a lot yeah. of French influence yep. in it within Charleston. Uh, it, it goes down south to Georgia too. Isn't that, isn't that a whole close? Probably, probably a little bit like in that Brunswick, yeah, St. Yeah, Simon's yeah, area. Charleston is, I would say, the epicenter today still of Gullah. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, learning about Gullah cuisine. Yeah. Um, you know, cool. I actually I had very briefly a cooking corporate gig with Aramark, yeah. um, and I, I was actually the chef at the College of Charleston, cool. um, which yeah. sounded cool, but yeah. it was horrific. Um, however, I did get to work with a lot of older women from Charleston, you know, who were Gullah, and I would learn all these cool recipes and uh, also influenced like by the West Indies. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was really remarkable. Yeah. But at the same time, here I am in my 20s. You right. know, um, and, and, let, and let's rewind for a second because New York was a, it's a misunderstood thing, right? New York cuisine, there's no such thing. It is Italian cuisine and it is Chinese food and it's all these things it's mixed the together. It's the melting pot. It's the melting pot. So, yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong. If you go to Italy and you go to New York, the Italian food is very different because I've done yeah. it and it's completely, it's not even, it has taken on its own New York persona, mm-hmm. but it is. That low country, that only exists in that area. That is a, a different thing. And Charleston had not developed as the culinary powerhouse that it was yet. And it's no. different than New Orleans. Some people oh. think it's the same. And there's there's similarities, but it is different. Even, oh, the, even, yeah. the, even yeah. what they have access to. Yeah. There's no there's the, there's no crawfish in, in Charleston, like yeah. even what they have access to. But Husk hadn't even opened in Charleston yet. Oh, which no. Was this where, was... but, but Husk was where all that, Sean Brock, all that started at that point. Well, which you can go back to 15 years ago. Yeah. It's not that long ago. Well, Sean Brock, started. he was in Charleston at the time. Ironically, you know what's great too? Um, um, the sh- our, our chef partner Stephen Herman, he was in Charleston at the same time. Like we lived there Got at the it. same times okay. and didn't know each other. It was Got great. It. Got it. Um, it's, it's so funny. We talk about it all the time. But yeah, Sean Sean Brock was at a place called um, I think McCrady's McCra- Tavern. Oh, I've been there. Which in Charleston. Was, that, yeah, which, he bought that eventually. I think he, he ended up partnering with okay. them. But yeah, and then led to Husk. Okay. At that time, I would say um, your landmarks in Charleston were Peninsula Grill. Um, mm-hmm. Another gentleman named Frank Lee, he had a restaurant called Slightly North Abroad. 
Um, and then there was Magnolia and Blossom. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't remember. The, I can't remember his, his last name, Chef Donald. But these were like the iconic landmarks. Yeah, yeah. The, like you said, the institutions. It's been great to watch food in Charleston actually evolve beyond just that traditional low country stuff. Yeah, and that's yeah. it's become a destination. Yep. for food. People go to eat, drink, right a foodie right? tour, yeah. and then all you that know, stuff. Spoletta Festival started getting it there, and then it just kept building yep. on all the arts around it. Um, and food. And, yeah, Charleston Food and Wine is a destination event every year but unfortunately also would would made it hard to survive as a cook in charleston was that there was johnson and wales there at the time yeah. so uh, as yeah. well, a cook you couldn't make money because they had all this free or cheap labor coming, coming in, out of it. school and so i was like you know love charleston I was ready for a move. Ended up moving to taking a job at a bed and breakfast in Aiken, South Carolina, Ooh. which was like it was cool. I started learning about French cuisine. I started, yeah. you know, um, learning about you know prefix menus and the yeah. timing and the execution of how that's yeah. prepared. Technique, very technique yeah. driven. Absolutely. But I was also coming from Charleston, where we were doing crazy high volume. Yeah. And so going from like one end of the spectrum to the other was definitely a challenge for me and my lifestyle. Like sure. just that whole idea of. Yeah, I don't you take know, you much as a bed and breakfast guy. Yeah, it was not my thing. I was actually, and part of my compensation was living there. And I lived on the top floor, and occasionally there'd be a guest complaint about um, odors of a certain uh, yeah. substance that I was smoking up on the top floor. So, I, hey, it makes the food I, taste better. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. But uh, this is Aiken, South Carolina. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, I was not a great fit. For, I remember the Mater D firing me, and he's like, I really hate doing this because I really think you're talented. And he actually helped me get a job in Augusta. Yeah. Um, right at the time of the Masters, which is about the only ideal time to work in sure. Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, or be there. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and I remember getting there and I was like, you know, I didn't really know. At that point, my, you know, I was a bit unstable. You know, I was still trying to dig my teeth into cooking and land yeah. that great gig. Yeah. Um, I ended up meeting a sales rep in Augusta who really would start showing me menus uh, of restaurants in Atlanta, um, Canoe, what yeah, Gary right. Menny yep, was yep, doing. Yep. Um, this was before the internet was a thing. Yeah, you right. know, like, yeah. and you before know, Atlanta was even anything. I mean, you're talking, yeah. this was the, you're talking at or pre-Olympics. Like, this is, the, the, we're not even a thing yet. Yeah, this yeah. was not, I was in Augusta in 97. There you um, go. 98, actually. Ended up spending uh, about a year and a half there, and then boom, I end up in Atlanta. <laughs> in 2000, knowing that, hey, listen, if if I'm going to make a go of this, um, you know, I need to get to a cosmopolitan city Mm -hmm. that's going to matter, that I'm going to find opportunities, and I'm going to be able to dig my heels in and and go. Yeah, and and a new restaurant opens in a big city. A new restaurant opens all the time. Then new suburbs open, and you have new pockets here or there. Yeah, because when when I was in Charleston, and even in, like, Charleston particularly, like, I would show a chef a resume. He would see the Citadel, a degree in English, and he would laugh at me. He'd be like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I want to cook. And, you know, I I had one job where they only gave me the job because I had to tutor the chef's son in English. Oh, my God. Uh, I ended up becoming a sous chef in that kitchen. So I'm really grateful that I had this real organic and, um, you know, organic journey through kitchens, like, and learning almost like reverse engineering. Like, I didn't go to culinary school. I would work. I would party. I would read cookbooks. It's very hard to run front of house if you don't see what back of house looks like. And and I think... 
you know, give people some context. So for me, I had some little chef experience, some little things. I've seen that actual fire, but I have not seen it like a restaurant would be. Like the, I think thought the bear, the show, the bear on Hulu did a great job of yeah. showing that just sheer intensity of what's going it's on. It's almost a little yeah. much. It's I get a, anxiety much, watching it. It's a little it. much. It's got to be. But <laughs> yeah. but just give an idea of what that kitchen is like and who's screaming and what's where and how the timing matters. I mean, it's insanity. Oh, it, it's relentless. You know, and I think a lot of the 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 pomp and circumstance of the yelling and the pan slinging and yeah. I saw all that in the you know mid to late night. 90s, early 2000s, you know, again, that that's definitely not acceptable these days, and and nor should it be, you know. Um, but it wasn't really until I got to Atlanta that I really was able to experience a highly professional kitchen, you know, yeah. and I, I ended up landing with 101 Concepts. Okay. Um, I worked at the original Food 101 on Roswell Road, yep. um, and it was had taken off like a rocket because post 9-11, everybody was gravitating towards, you know, this Americana food, yeah. nostalgic classics like pot roast, yep. fried chicken. And, you know, it was pure coincidence that they were opening at this time. And so working there, I worked with a chef named Scott Crawford, who's actually up in New York now, which is kind of ironic. That's where I'm from. Um, You know, he taught me how to run a kitchen. Like, I, I had a pretty good grasp on cooking, but he taught me how to run a kitchen. Um, he taught me, you know, how to how to be able to delegate around me, how to develop talent underneath me, because I, you know, I was this like workhorse that, you know, I wanted to cook everything like I, you know, you can't do that. I want to dive into more and I want to make sure we hit word of mouth restaurants when we come back because we've like flown through in this wonderful tale. But uh, we do need to take a break. And you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with Ron Eister of Word of Mouth Restaurants. And, um, you know, we were, we've gotten into your Atlanta story, and we're, we're going to get to Word of Mouth here in a yep. minute. But let's kind of finish that evolution and how much has changed and what you saw coming to Atlanta, you know, in that post-Olympic kind of time frame. Yeah, I remember, you know, arriving in Atlanta and uh, the day I interviewed for my job, um, I remember eating at Nava um, in Buckhead. You know, Kevin Rathman was still mm-hmm. running yep. the kitchen over there. It was before he had blazed his trail and yep. created his dynasty. Um, and it was just as, you know, this whole farm-to-table movement was really starting to take root, which is something in the coming years I would become a huge advocate of and a participant yep. and help lead the charge with that. So, you know, landed arrived 
arrived in Atlanta, ended up you know landing with One One Concepts. Had a great run with them. Again, learned how to run a kitchen. Started learning about what it took to really run a restaurant. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of successful restaurants are run from the back forward. Yeah, you know, like the purveyors, the relationships with all your suppliers, where to get food. If something goes wrong, what can you substitute? Because yeah. you don't have everything all the time. If you're running a farm to table restaurant, what if they yeah. don't have it? What are you substituting? You cannot just rewrite a recipe. You well, have to have substitutes. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember, like, so for instance, with the uh, farm to table stuff. I mean, this was before you were ordering on apps and smartphones yeah. and online ordering. We would literally get a fax from a guy named Gary Brown, who he was in charge of. Um, it was called the Georgia Grown Co-op. Yep, and okay. he would manage all these independent farmers yep. beneath him, and they would fax us like a ten-page fax. Every single, I think, Friday, and we would have to return it by, like, Saturday night. We'd fill in our order, and then we would actually get one delivery. Like, he would actually—it was, like, kind of a CSA that serviced restaurants. But, you know, I think when you talk about marketing, um, people don't understand that that's marketing. Like, the networks that you develop with your vendors, and you're creating exposure. Because to me, especially pertaining to restaurants, marketing is about engagement. How many people are you reaching? How many people are you touching and making an impression on? And make a real impression, because you want to be the first person they deliver to. Because you know what's at the end of the last delivery? All the crap from the bottom. You want to be the guy that gets that first top of the heap delivery. And and how you market yourself, and what all has to do with these things all go into it. I'm I'm a big believer in the restaurant space of being um, so authentic and you, we talked about Charleston we talked about Atlanta and things like that but truly don't try to be all things be what you are and so yep. back during my vision quest a uh, f- couple days in Albuquerque I did the old diners and drive you know top list and there were most of them were pretty good some were out of business but um, they were true to what they were and then we got to Santa Fe and there it was like alright I want to focus on the local chilies. All right, yeah. and and the restaurants that did you really have Frito tried, I I didn't because we went. You went to New Mexico. Mexico and you didn't, didn't have the one thing I told you to get. Yeah, I know. Pie. Hey, I was I stuffed myself for good. like for a couple good. of days, and the amount Indian of chilies, fri- Indian fry bread, is the chilies really good that too. we had, and and among everything, the including hatch, on oh omelets God. and everything hatch else, chili is an unbelievable. But it's thing. like the ones to your point that we ended up in, and about everywhere we went was fantastic. Were the ones that truly focused on the authentic and oh, what's yeah. local. Well, you know, and to to speak to your point, Nick, about like what is Atlanta? What what had Atlanta become at that time? And what is think about it? It's all these chef driven restaurants. Right. You know, you had yeah. you had like these core chefs, like you know, a Kevin Rathman who yeah. worked for Buckhead Life yep. for yeah. for forever, but and they then came all up through the system. Well, you know, I think when you look at it as almost like a science, like. You think about, like, when we were younger, we went to restaurants, there were no open kitchens. Like, the kitchen was just kind of an afterthought behind the Mm -hmm. scenes. The advent of the open kitchen, again, another marketing tool by restaurants because it is a bridge to the everyday consumer. And then when you talk about celebrity chefs, I mean, as much as I had disdain for him at times, Emeril Lagasse, I mean, he connected food with America. There's yeah. no other way to put it. Like, you know, his shows, his enthusiasm, his yeah. charisma. And, but you're talking about the start of this all, right? Because yeah. I've been to Spago, and Spago 
20 years ago was still an unbelievable place. When you're talking about those, you're not talking about Emerald's 44th restaurant no, 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 uh, no, no, in no. Destin, no, which is about, the worst. He has no yeah, control over it anymore. Exactly. You're no, talking I'm, about the I'm original talking about, drive. I'm talking about him as the person yeah. and like his enthusiasm for food. And I the, think Bobby Flay's another. Bobby Flay's oh. great. His restaurants are great. It's, yeah. the, it's when you get down but, the list and they're at their 50th restaurant and they lost but your, control. your point, I mean, this is 15 plus years ago in Chicago, a couple years in a row, we took, we had the chef's table and Charlie Trotter's. The, the clients that I still know to this day still talk about that. Yeah. I mean, it is a marketing the, tool. Yeah. It's about the experience. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the trajectory of Atlanta restaurants, I think, is fantastic that our most successful and probably our truly best restaurants are these chef-owned restaurants yeah. Yeah. that were, you know, born and bred in Atlanta. Like, we talk about going back to the celebrity chef thing. Yeah. The other side of the coin is... It makes me laugh that Atlanta has put so many celebrity chefs out of business. Nobody survives here. Yeah. Atlanta does not really grasp concepts that are not, you know, developed here and born here. You know, yeah, I so, mean, shoot, Holman and Finch rebuilt how you make a burger, and it was shut yeah. down for almost two years. Like, it, it just yeah. gives you the concept of Hugh Atchison had all these restaurants, and all of a sudden they all closed. Like, it's just crazy. I agree with you. It's crazy. So what is it? Because if we don't get to word of mouth restaurants, yeah. Michael Arnett's yeah. going to kill me. Yeah. So what is yeah, it about Atlanta? That makes it so hard. Um, you know, I think what makes Atlanta so challenging is that our consumers are great. Our guests are very much invested in what we're doing, um, and they're not afraid to voice their opinions about it. Um, there's also, but they're not obnoxious. New Yorkers no. are so obnoxious. It's not that same kind of no, thing. No, it's, it's like, not. Get this out of here and never bring it back. They're, well, well you know invested. what though? But I think that's actually more dangerous because because really? it's not. A, it's not. It's a little more passive. It's not as it's, in your exactly. Face. It's yeah. passive, and it's like, yeah. all right, we're not going to actually. We might not give you our feedback directly. But we're, we're not coming back. Exactly. We're going to friends not we're to Which is the worst thing in the world. Exactly. Right? That, that's a, worse than the company. New York sentiment of getting in your face and holding your feet to the fire. So, you know, I think what's made Atlanta challenging, and then you talk about the whole social media aspect, yep. everybody's got a voice. Yeah. And, you know, again, like where I ended up, so say, you know, we're 2009, 2010. I have one restaurant. I'm getting ready to open up my second. Uh, Facebook is now a thing in yep. terms of marketing. Um, this is still pre Instagram, Twitter yep. is becoming a yep. huge thing. Yelp and coming into play where you have these uh, Yelp. people Don't now. Even get me I know, but you, have, you yep. have Yelp people with these people who are, have these voices that shouldn't, that can actually influence business. And realistically, all it takes was you would paying Yelp and then they disappear. I mean, it's yeah. a scam. Well, but, and well, well, Yelp was like, um, I, I can, I eat and I have an internet connection. Oh wow, I'm a food writer. Yeah. No, you're not. You have zero yeah. credibility. Even some of the great reviews I got on Yelp were inaccurate, yeah. which is not good. But, you know, so then, you know, you jump to word of mouth and, you know, so Stephen Herman, one of the chefs, yep. Matt Swickerath, one of the chefs, I've been friends with them for over 20 years now. They used to come into my place, eat, you know, we would run into each other at all these different events. Yep. Like when you look at the whole Atlanta food scene, all these civic events are driven by food. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we kind of all lived in this world together. Yeah, the, shit, the hospitality industry, the nightlife industry, they have their nights and their gatherings. And Atlanta together is and like talking shop. one big small town. Yeah. You is. know, yeah. it's very incestuous, it that segment. You know, so... I would always look at word of mouth from afar, and, you know, word of mouth has been, you know, we do things on our terms at our pace. You know, we have four restaurants. We, you know, we've been around now 20 years. You know, I've been lucky to be around with them for a little over four now. It's been yeah. a great experience. Um, but you know who you are. Yeah. You're going to do what you do. You're authentic, and your customers seem to appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, our guests are a big part of that. You know, the objective is pretty simple. 
make our guests as happy as we possibly can every time they come in and appreciate the fact that they can make a choice to go anywhere they want but at the end you know but they come visit us yeah and I love the name because of it because everyone knows in advertising the strongest form of advertising yeah. is word of mouth advertising and if you make that experience so good for one person they're going to tell another person and then you've created an organic grouping and, and a neighborhood of people that is what is missing from a lot of these places they do not feel like they are built for neighborhoods you grew up in New York anywhere on Long Island there is an Italian place in that neighborhood and God forbid you leave your neighborhood to go to the Italian place next door. You'll be ostracized yeah. by, your, by well, your, your friends. Like It just doesn't happen. That, and I feel like this city does not have it. I feel like word of mouth has done a really good yeah. job of carving out that niche for them where everyone seems to know everybody when they walk in. Everyone seems to be, it's not as worried about kids running around because they feel like they're part of the family. If those kids are running around, they're not mad kids are running around. You don't see no, that in a lot I of am. places. I don't Ron want your kids is. running around the restaurant. Ron is. <laughs> but no. No, you're absolutely right. I was right. out there at Haven and it was my kids yeah. running around. <laughs> but I think you know what you're speaking to is character yeah and you know at the bottom line is it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter how good your marketing is if your product is not good no. yeah. your marketing is useless but that's everything right yeah. like yeah. if you don't have a good website then people aren't going to find you when they search for you online so like all of this comes together yeah, if, marketing your, is the if last, your service falls through after time i mean marketing is the yeah. last piece people think yeah. of it as the first marketing is the last piece if you don't have something that people want to share with their friends about then don't market in the first place because what is you new customer acquisition worth if you can't keep people there Mark, or coming back marketing can get you in the door but if you don't have anything to keep them in the door yeah that door gets shut permanently well yeah and our experience at a word of mouth restaurant is a big part of the marketing like yeah. when people walk in the restaurant and they notice all the things that you just pointed out like this sense of community yeah. mm -hmm. um this energy that's almost tangible you know people walk in especially as first timers and they're like wow yeah. I want to. I want to be here. I want to be a part of this. You yeah. know, and and I had the same ethos when I was running my restaurants. That's why my marriage and the word of mouth has been as as seamless as it is. You know, because we're very like minded on how we view hospitality, and that these restaurants are an extension of our home. Yeah. And you know, we want to give people that you know genuine experience where there's no pretense. There's just good food, good service, drinks. Yeah. You know, there's there's. There's familiarity, you yeah. know, but there's also a lot of creativity. Yeah. And it's really important and to And you do. You have to push the boundaries uh, so far as you're allowed to because people still want new. They want leaving their comfort zone. They don't want to do it in drones. They're not going to get an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert to push the boundaries. But maybe that app is a little bit different, yeah. especially at some place yeah. like Arnett's. Like for me, I go in and I will always tell everyone to get the Spinala steak. And the reason is is because it doesn't. They don't, you don't find it in a lot of places. No. Yeah. And then I become the douchebag that's got to explain what the Spinala steak <laughs> is, sipping my wine with my pinky up. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But 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 that experience makes it a different experience. You can get a filet anywhere, man. Going in, getting a Spinal steak, cut up the right way, blah, 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 blah. it's something you can share with people. Now, yep. all of a sudden, they become, oh my goodness, I found this here. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Yeah. So I think that that part of it, that community field, the other thing I always find, you know, I usually wear my 680 gear when I go in there because I'm coming from work. They all want to talk Braves. They know I work for the Braves, and they all want to talk Braves. Then all of a sudden, the whole bar jumps in on a conversation about the Braves, and I've been there for six minutes. I haven't even had my triple whiskey on the rocks yet. So <laughs> now, I, now I, I know what to get Nick for Christmas. At, uh get him uh, some rosé from the Willamette Valley that I had last week, so he can have that with his pinky up. No, Victor's right when I go. But again, like what you're talking about too, like you actually become you and our other guests become a part of the marketing process. Yeah, which you know to me. And again, you know, I, I in, in recent years try to carve a path where I was just really focusing on marketing. Of course, you know, what we do for a living in the restaurant industry is a sick addiction. Yeah. And so I always get sucked back into the of heart course. of the operation. But 
I you wouldn't be able to market if you didn't have that. Because oh, absolutely. you see all sides of it, and there's only some parts of it. There might be parts of the you shouldn't market. You at least know those because you've seen the back end. Well, yeah, and you know, you make a good point. And when like, you hire a third-party marketing company they or PR, well, they, they don't do this for a living. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. They have, they, they have a favor with the local magazine publication. They'll get one article written up, and then it'll be off to the next thing. That's the yeah. thing is it's easy to get that buzz when you first open. How do you keep that buzz consistently is a lot harder. Execute. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I, I always say in, in the restaurant world, your best marketing is training and execution. You know, your employees should be the most effective marketing tools that you have. Simple as that, you know, because, yes, it's a form of outreach, but it's in our building. It's in our house. You know, it's you know, you can't get hung up or fixated on the people who aren't coming to your restaurant. Yeah. You have to focus on the guests that are coming and supporting you every single day. Yeah, and I have to imagine you guys do a great job of, of outreach, and I mean intense Oyster Fest. Oh, right? Yeah. When we talk about the cocktail party, you know, that was an idea you had. I remember we were talking about it. I was like, you know what? No one else is doing it. Yeah. Let's try it. You know, and you can't expect year one to blow the doors off. It doesn't work that way. But you do something long enough, Oyster Fest, talk about that. Talk about the 20th anniversary. Because what I remember is when I got there, I was like, is that a lobster roll? Yeah. I'm sitting yeah. here watching Georgia, Florida. Is that a lobster, a lobster roll? Yeah. Like 16 lobster rolls later. Like, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Well, talk about, talk yeah, about no. those events. And again, like, so I'm a real, you know, events has always been my thing. Yep. You know, like I've always wanted to do, you know, uh, curate these kind of creative amenities yeah. that, you know, made us different than the normal a la carte restaurant. And, you know, I did that when I had my places. And that's definitely an energy that I've brought to word of mouth. And again, you know, it's been great to collaborate with awesome people who want to support that and understand that. So, yeah, so way back when I did a fried chicken event at my place called Mother Clucker, um, and it was supported by Springer Farms Chicken. Um, it, it, it was like a potluck event where I got Springer Mountain to give a bunch of chicken to all these chefs that I invited. Mm -hmm. We did it in the park lot of my restaurant, Stephen and Maddie from Word of Mouth being two of the chefs. Yeah. Cool. So... I did that event a couple of times, a few times actually. I was actually in Chattanooga doing a mother, um, a, a mother clucker. I want to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that gets uh, a little clumsy. What's their What's their place, Chattanooga? Champy. What's the one that right there? They have a really good fried chicken spot right as you come into the town. Doesn't matter. Go on. Uh, well, anyway, so I was with the chef um, in Chattanooga, Charlie Loomis, great dude, and. Um, we were talking about, man, it'd be fun to do this with oysters. And I was like, all of a sudden, this light bulb, I was like, mother shocker. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like yeah. so natural. And so, um, you know, I ended up getting with word of mouth shortly thereafter. When I looked at our nets and that courtyard that we have outside, yep. right. you know, that was one of the attractions to come into work. Yep. They're like, wow, we can, we can curate some really cool events in this space. And Mother Shucker has become one of them where, you know, it's just basically this oyster festival, yeah. live music. And then where I'm able to leverage some of the partnerships and relationships that we have where, you know, we're getting different sponsorships yep. with alcohol components. Yep. You know, that's when we're going on all cylinders. And, it, yeah. and it's bringing that group of people, friends together for an evening. Right. And it's yeah. for it's for an event. It's yeah. for yeah. A, a socialization. It's not just going out to dinner. No, it's right. So, it's, and, and that is so different than it, it becomes that community. Community yeah. yep. of your group, whether it's four, whether it's eight, whether it's sixteen, 
But it also works because of the community you've already developed. That people are going in not feeling like it's going to be me and strangers. It's going to be me and people I already know, which makes it that much more appealing. So so that give us the rundown. Talk about Oyster Fest real fast, and also talk about uh, cocktail party because those are coming up. Yeah, Mother Shucker is actually we're gonna we moved it to March this year because our fall is crazy busy with the 20th Mm -hmm. anniversary of Haven coming up. That's going to be a whole nother shindig coming up on November 16th. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Keeping a restaurant open for 20 years. Yeah. Um, Next thing coming up is the cocktail party um you know when we were talking about you know 680 and you guys being a partner with us and the restaurants obviously being sports driven uh, you know i kind of was like hey it'd be great to do something you know where we can emulate this whole cocktail party for the georgia florida game and do it with the style that we do at our yeah. nets like not, not skunk be- not skunk beer and, no. and beef jerky no going back to <laughs> no, lo- lobster rolls and <laughs> yeah. you know having knob creek available yeah. and mictors and it was awesome some yeah. great craft beers and so yeah we'll be doing that this year october 28th our ticket link just went live awesome. um you could find it if you go to our nets chop shop Instagram handle. Uh, you'll be able to find a ticket link, get yourself a ticket. Uh, we'll have a general admission and a VIP component. Uh, we'll also have a huge big screen TV in the courtyard. Yep. Awesome. Um, and that, I think Chuck Oliver will fast for two days before he gets there just so he can stuff his face. So that's yeah, he had a good time last year. You can look forward to that. Um, but again, you know, the events are a big part of our marketing, too, because like you said, it's a lot of the same people that support us on a daily basis. But there's definitely a segment of newcomers, you know, people who kind of get introduced to word of mouth um, through this channel versus just coming to eat at one of our restaurants. So, you know, it, it, it helps us basically expand our demographic by creating this separate avenue and it's just it's fun you know it also gives our staff something new you know to where they feel like hey we're always challenging ourselves to be creative and well that's pushing the boundary how do you take tailgate food and heighten it to be in this way and you know a lot of times I I personally think people get this wrong right there's nothing wrong with a burger right but now all of a sudden if you have a nice demi glace and a reduction on it with white wines and mushrooms that can be what what heightens a burger and you still have a burger at its core I will will give high marks to Arnett's burger I've had it several times but but you know what I mean those little things there's little tweaks you could put on certain things that make it a different a completely different experience that have a completely different when you're out there that make it memorable and still tailgate related because you don't want to go if you're sitting there having a tailgate party you don't want to have to be shucking oysters and opening things up you want things finger foods and things you can eat so you can't venture too far away but it gives a chef a chance yeah and we're mindful of what the Arnett's experience is and we tailor these events to that you know absolutely and um Last year, it was our first year. I thought it went really well, especially from an execution standpoint, yeah. which is the most important thing. Of course. If you're going to create expectations for people. people come back and they'll bring one person, you double your size. Exactly. Just, like, yeah. just and, like that. Yep, and that's the strategy this year. Now it's you know focusing more on how do we sell more tickets, how do we get yep. more people at this event now that we know how to execute it, yeah. you know, making some adjustments from last year. But overall, I, you know, I thought it went great. And, you know, as I remember, Georgia kicked Florida's yeah, ass that's last what you're, year. Yeah, that's the problem. So, you got to hope. <laughs> That the game doesn't lose some of its luster. Yeah. Because that's one of the problems you see out there is, like, it used to be this big thing, but, like, is it that important anymore? And if that game loses its luster, you you have your experience, but it doesn't stand out as much because the concept of the cocktail party is diminished a little bit. Yeah. So you you don't want to hope anybody – you obviously want to be a big game, but – Florida and Georgia haven't even been on the same level playing field in years. It has not been been a matchup. It's been like, let's just get this over with and get the heck out of here. 
So for business-wise, I hope that's yeah. the same this year, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, then in that case, you can just focus on the lobster rolls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so has there been anything that uh, through your years, um, you know, that you tried and just, man, that did not work, and what did we learn from it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tried opening a restaurant in Atlantic Station. Which restaurant? Tell me that story. Oh, I had a place that was called Diner, um, you know, and uh, – Got courted by, um, you know, the people who owned Atlantic Station at the time. I'm pretty sure it was North American Properties. And, you know, everything I had done in restaurants previous had been in Morningside on North Highland Avenue. Yeah. Kind of had, like, this little, you know, cult-like following. Yeah. And kind of the unofficial mm-hmm. mayor of Morningside was heavily involved with the schools, yeah. the farmer's market. Yeah. And then, you know, as you get bigger, you gain more exposure. I remember getting interest to maybe do a Rosebud, uh, one of my restaurant in, uh, in Hartsfield, Um, I ended up not pursuing that and, you know, ended up drinking some Kool-Aid from the folks from Atlantic Station. You know, they came and threw a number out for, you know, we'll we'll give you this amount of money to build your restaurant, which, you know, I'd never had that opportunity. You know, I, I had, you know, Rosebud was actually a food 101. You know, I was partners with those guys and. And I probably shouldn't have gotten away from that organic growth that yeah. had really kind of a, defined who you took I a was. Risk, man, it happens. I took yeah, a so risk. You when, took a risk. You know, when you branch off on your own, yeah. Right? And well, I was on my own, but right. yeah, you know, it was at the same time too. I just opened up my third restaurant on North Highland yeah. Avenue, so having two projects simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and I Atlantic was, Station is a whole nother beast. I mean, even yeah, then, it's changed a lot now. But how many? Shit, how many restaurants have gone through? In oh, that it's time ridiculous. Frame? You've I had. Mean, I mean, it was Rosa Mexicana when I got here. It's like the third place now, fourth place. I mean, it's honestly. I mean, it's become a wasteland, you know, for, you know, for Atlanta restaurants. I mean, I don't mean any disrespect for anybody who's there, but, you know, yeah, I wanted to There's be- There's traffic all the time. It's just crazy that, they, that it's not succeeding. And, and yeah. again, the demographic, it's not exactly what you expect. It's an odd place, but I just, and it's so centrally located. You have Microsoft right there. You have new towers going up every day. It is just crazy that You would not, think that uh, Atlantic Station would be a more prolific part of our city because yeah. it's a hub between Midtown and the West I, Side. I think that's the issue, though. I don't think- it falls within any of the established communities. I think it's the transit point in between. Yeah, that's and a I good think, point. And I think from restaurants, I think that hurts. Yeah, no, it does. And, you know, I think the overall big mistake that I made is that when I had my places, you know, I probably had this level of insecurity that I always need to, I always had to have the answer. Yeah. I needed to be the smartest yeah. guy in the room. And yeah. honestly, since joining Word of Mouth, I, I think the most prized attribute of being part of that company is that it is truly the most collaborative environment I've ever worked in. You know, everybody's got a voice. We all listen to each other. We might not all agree. Yeah. And some conversations are more heated than others. Yeah. But at the same time, our vision, the hospitality is all aligned, which is the most important component. Um, But, you know, it's like, and and I've learned that firsthand from Michael Arnett, the owner, that Michael has this level of security about him that he could sit at a table and sometimes be the quietest person at the table. And he's just absorbing everything, the dialogue, the ideas, and then we formulate our direction from there. So It's just the longer you're away from New York, the less you have to yell and feel like you're the loudest person. That helps also. I think there's some some great lessons there. I want to explore that when we come back from uh, the break. So uh, I think it's uh, a lot of things there. So you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. We've been having a great conversation with Ron Eister of Word of Mouth Restaurant Groups. And pretty much what we learned is it is a crazy world out there for restaurants. Between marketing and ordering and how to differentiate and real estate, uh, it really is crazy. Congrats to Ron and to Michael Arnett for Arnett's Chop House, for Haven, for Valenza, for Vero, and all the things they do. Make sure that if you like this episode or you like word of mouth restaurants that you go to the cocktail party on Saturday, on Saturday, October 28th. The cocktail party is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's Georgia, Florida. It's lobster, lobster rolls. It's steak. It's absolutely incredible. The coolest part about it is the pavilions open that courtyard out there. They got a big screen music, Georgia fans. And again, who could ever imagine tailgating with lobster rolls? It truly is awesome. One of the things I look forward to with restaurants, just seeing what, what kind of creativity comes out of it. One of the things I believe is that it really has gotten to a point where everyone's making the same restaurants. They're trying to be so new and so modern, but at some point, modern becomes old and we have to go back to old school things. So that's what I'm most encouraged and I look forward to most. That old school approach, the hearth fire, the cooking traditional recipes, the old school and the old world mixing with the new world. And I think that we're going to go that way. Uh, I also think, to be honest, that there's going to be a couple restaurants that are going to disappear. I think that there's too many restaurants now and they're all doing the same things and they're all vying for the same consumers and they're all vying for the same real estate, which usually cause massive constriction in an, in an industry. Um, it's been crazy to see a lot of these corporate restaurants. Uh, you know, God knows when I was growing up, we used to go to Applebee's and Chili's all the time, but I went through a good 20 years of my life where I wouldn't be caught dead at one of those places, but they're starting to make a comeback. You know, when you look at it, they're the ones that can afford the pricing power that can do a $12.99 special. I mean, there were times where it was the local guys that were the, the ones that had quality and good price, but I think you're going to see that these big corporate restaurants are going to make a resurgence. Um, you know, I, I hear that Applebee's is going the way of Crocs and it's cool again. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to really go try it out. But, um, you know, I remember it was funny. I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago. And for the first time ever, I think I walked into a P.F. Chang's. And you look in and there's this big samurai on the wall. It's all this dark with red lighting. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I don't know if I'm going to order go again, but it was pretty cool to see. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how corporate America, how these big private equity companies, what they do in the space and what it looks like over the next couple of uh, years and months. As far as marketing goes, some really important things to take away from this is once you have your identity, once you know who you want to be, don't veer from it too far or too fast. Obviously, like most things we talk about, you have to be able to pivot. You have to have solid foundation, but you need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to move down the correct pathway for a long time before you know if it's right or wrong. You can't just change right away because you build a client base and that client base has expectations. When you sell a dish, that dish needs to be the same way every time. People just 
are they, they just want that repetition. If you think about it, that's why there's a McDonald's all over the world. People go because it's comfort. That's why you have these chain restaurants that are in every city, every state. You may not want to try the local cuisine. You know that those are there. So I do believe that when you talk about marketing, that, that first PR push is ungodly important, but it can't stop there. I'm not saying you have to spend money in traditional advertising, but th- at some point, the buzz will wear off, and the best restaurateurs are the ones that make local community-based restaurants with recurring regulars, customers. To do that, you also need consistency with your staff, which is getting harder and harder today. So, you know, like we've talked about, it, it's it's a crazy industry. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation with Ron. Uh, we're going to also have Chef Schuler up in a couple of weeks. Chef Schuler runs his own kitchen and his own restaurant, which is even as another level of craziness to it. Um, so, I'm going to end because it's me solo with some some of my favorite restaurants in the world and what stood out to them. Um, this is not a brag list. This is just uh, there's cool things everywhere. Uh, probably my favorite thing I've ever been to was actually a street taco stand in Mexican, Mexico City. Um, we got there. We landed. It was eight minutes in. I think we were got in a cab already and we we're eating crickets and, and mezcal, which was amazing. Uh, but there was this place that they had a spit and they had Tacos al Pastor, which ironically came over with Lebanese immigrants when they brought over where they make shawarma and and yiddos. They brought it over, and they were shaving down the chicken and the meat off of the spit onto a taco. But the best part was all the drippings from the meat were going down to the onions, and then they put those onions on top. It because of the exchange rate was probably a dollar fifty taco, probably less than that, probably eighty five cent taco. But I will say to this day, it is single handedly the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. I know it sounds crazy, but it is. Um, other great restaurants, Quintanilla and Pujol, were two top ten restaurants in the world in Mexico City. To see that kind of cuisine is unbelievable. Um, you know, in the U.S. New York City is always great. I do enjoy those old school steakhouses. Um, you know, I remember being at Sparks. Sparks is the one. There was some famous mafia hit there, which made it this famous restaurant, and you just walk in and the old mahogany and all the pictures on the walls. It just elicits that nostalgia, which is really hard to fake. I think too many restaurants try to fake that nostalgia. Uh, you can't go wrong anywhere in Italy. Just don't go to the tourist traps. Go off the beaten path. Go walk in. Try to learn a little Italian. Speak to people. You really can't go wrong there. Um, Atlanta, a couple of my favorites. I'm a big fan of Cooks and Soldiers. Um, I don't know if you know Basque cuisine. It's a part of Spain with a very heavy Muslim influence, but they don't make a lot of Basque restaurants in the world. So that's an absolutely awesome one. There's some oldies but goodies everywhere. Um, Buford Highway is its own beast. I'm a big fan of Mamek and Food Terminal with a little Malaysian, Singaporean twist, which you just don't see in a lot of places. Um, Also, soup dumplings and some really good Asian and Latin American restaurants. So if you have not done Buford Highway, absolutely do Buford Highway. Um, It's fantastic out there. So uh, sum it up. Restaurant marketing is absolutely crazy. Ron Eister's a good guy. Michael Arnett, they've put a really good formed a good partnership, and those restaurants are amazing. They're also opening two additional concepts coming up in the next couple of weeks, months. Uh, one will actually be a private VIP exclusive club. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be really, really cool, and I think it'll fit Brookhaven really well. Um, so they're awesome. If you can make it, Go buy tickets now. Get to the cocktail party on October 28th. It is going to be awesome. I went last year. It's a great experience. All of the 6A of the fan personalities. There'll be lots of other local celebrities out there. Uh, it's just an awesome way to spend a party, and it's so much different than tailgating back in the day. Uh, same amount of booze, probably at least for me, uh, but doing it with a nice way to coat your stomach with lobster rolls and steak and burgers. It's, it really is an unbelievable, unbelievable time. Restaurants are tough. 
It's going to be tough for the next couple of years. If you enjoy eating at restaurants, go support your local restaurants. Support the ones that make a difference to you because it really will make a difference to those restaurants. And on a closing note, be nice to the servers. Be nice to the chefs. It is not easy to make a restaurant, to work for a restaurant. We seem to take it for granted, and I don't appreciate that. Be nice to these people. Their job is so, there's so many back of house, front of house parts that you don't see operating. You being an ass is only slowing down everybody else's meal. There are times where you should react. If you have your steak, if you paid $8 for a steak and it's not cooked to your likeness, send it back, get it done the right way. But at the same time, don't be the cause of the problems because the best way you can say this, they don't, you, you hear about dishwashers. They don't wash dishes at the end of the night. They wash dishes in real time. If one dish stays dirty for too long, it throws off the entire scheme for the entire evening. So before you freak out at a restaurant, this counts for anything in life. Think about how many parts are going in to what's happening and how much you're freaking out will make it bad for everybody else before you do it. Those are the words of wisdom. You've been listening to The Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Stay tuned for episodes about real estate, about booze, about weed, about all the fun stuff in the world that go into the New Year's, and it's going to be a fun time. You listen to The Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing, or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer.